Welcome to Farming Eternal, an eternal podcast for farmers hosted by me, Patamaro, and Hats on Lamps. It's episode 114. For those of you tuning in for the first time, we are a draft-focused podcast. Our goal is to help you and me, mostly me, get better at draft. We get into the nitty-gritty of the drafting process with a little meta-analysis and play tips thrown in. So this week we have Hats back. Welcome back. Hi. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a while. It has been a while. Yeah, yeah. but uh, a new set has, dra- uh, has dropped. We've had a draft open, which you participated in, and uh, you've been playing draft a little bit more, so we're glad to have you back. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I think you and I both did a respectable job in the draft open, and that was, and unfortunately pitted against each other, <laughs> and it was, <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> it was a fun, I have no regrets about that draft open, unlike every single other one that I have participated in. <laughs> yeah, I, we both made it to the top 64, then the top 32 where we faced each other, and then you won, beat me handily. Even though I think our decks were probably on par and power level, but, probably uh, you had more you had more really like bomby cards in your deck somewhere uh, that didn't really make an appearance. Uh, my my deck had no bombs as far as I know. It was just like low to the ground, try to win quickly. Yeah, yeah, it was funny because your deck had a lot of three threes, and my deck had a lot of one fours, and so I thought that would work out okay for me. And uh, it, it did not, but that's okay. Yeah, the problem is that the one fours cost twice as much as the three threes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that didn't help. And that the um, three three, and that the three threes can make the one four into a one three temporarily <laughs> at the end of combat. Although I don't think that happened, but I remember seeing that you had all of those, and I was like, oh, I, I hope he blocks my 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 three threes with a one four, so yeah. I can finish it off with another three three. Yeah, uh-huh. it was funny because that there was that, and then my first opponent in the top sixty-four had drafted a Felm deck, and had four call the hits in it, and like mm-hmm. literally my deck had like eight one fours in it. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, expensive <laughs> ones. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh man, this is <laughs> this could, this could go very poorly. <laughs> Um, but that that round it worked out uh, against you. It did not. But uh, then, how did it go after you after you beat me? I got absolutely massacred. I think it was Ant Man uh, was my next opponent, and uh, and he had a a very synergistic Xenon deck with like a lot of killer and deadly, and that's tough to beat uh, because a lot of decks in this format don't have any actual synergy. They're just a sort of a bunch of good cards with a general strategy. But that Xenon deck with Deadly and Killer, uh, there's enough sort of redundancy in both those abilities to make it so it's a, an actual strategy. And he just mowed down all of my units every game and won. Yeah. That was not even close. Yeah. He had a, he well, had a real deck, and I had like an aggro deck that kind of hopes to get there. <laughs> yeah. Well, it ended up, uh, I was, I ended up being kind of glad that I got knocked out as early as I did, because I, I played my games in a parking lot uh, <laughs> two and a half hours from home, so I still had to drive home, because I had farmer's market that day, and um, and then, you know, during the drive home, I was kind of like, often for the, for the opens, I'll... I'll put it through the radio of of my van um, so I can listen to it. But I I was kind of a little salty, so I I didn't want to, like, listen to any draft after the open just to take a break. But then it was, like, 7 p.m. or something when there was, like, an update that someone had finally won the draft open. And I was like, my God, I was still (laughs) in a CBS parking lot at 7 p.m. I mean, I guess winning would have, you know, made it worth it, but I'm glad I did not get home at, like, 10 p.m. or something. Yeah, yeah that would have been rough. Yeah. So, it was like, it seemed like it lasted a long time, so there must have been some good games in there. There must have been. I did not watch the coverage, uh, so I don't know what happened at all. <laughs> Yeah, neither I, do I. All I, I know everyone is uh, did the, something else. the boxer won uh, his second open of the year. So yeah. 
Oh. So congratulations to him. Pretty Indeed. pretty impressive feat. Yeah, it is. All right. So uh, on to our announcements where we plug the Patreon here for the show, um, where for as little as a dollar a month, you can get access to show notes and recording bloopers, as well as get your name read on air. So thank you, as always, to D-Dub, John, Demo, Steve Irwin, Cotillion, Loki, Trickster, Mercurio Blue, Abinago, Meagles, Madness, Darth Herman 2, Twin Hex, Jed the Homrid, Raven Dragon, Srich0215, Sunblaze, Work Done Sun, and Yistow. All right. So um, do you have anything particular about this draft week you want to say? Not really. I mean, I've played a little bit here and there. Um, I've done well in the new format, um, and I continue to do pretty well. (laughs) Uh, It's a a format that suits me, uh, and there's a lot of different strategies. Like, my decks aren't all homogenous. Like, I find that it's possible to draft a pretty wide variety of combinations of factions and strategies and stuff and still do well with them. So I think that's good. other than a very small handful of cards that I think are overpowered or or weird in some way in the format, I think it's more or less a really well-designed one. Yeah. Yeah, well, th- I think you are having a more positive experience than I am. I've been having kind of a, a love-hate relationship with this format where I started really hot, did really poorly, got that out of the, my system right before the draft opened, then did really well on the draft o- at the draft open. Um, though the draft open, even I had like mixed feelings about. Like I felt so good about all five of my decks <laughs> that I was even like a little disappointed because I kind of barely made it in at uh, nineteen and nine. Um, so I had some. I don't know if I had any losing records, but I had a couple four threes with what I thought were really good decks. And then after the draft open, I've just like not won at all, more or less. It's been really bad. Oh, uh, unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what I'm. I'm. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Uh, because I feel like my decks are okay, and then I just like. If I try to draft a bigger deck, like a bigger grindy deck, my opponents always go over, still go over the top of me. Like if I play four six drops, my opponents play seven six drops or something. Sure. But then if I try to do that, then I just get run over. And I just haven't been able to find this sweet spot uh, here, even though I feel like my card evaluation and like, my drafting has been good. It just is not translating. Well, that'll happen sometimes. I had like three drafts in a row at some point that it was that were that were pretty rough, and then I just kind of changed what I was doing completely, yeah. and and it and things improved. <laughs> and that's not a guarantee. I things could have gotten worse, but instead they improved. Yeah. So I I think I I need to do that. Um. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. One of, yeah, one of the things I'm doing as a strategy is if I start, if I lose a couple of, or, or if I'm not happy with a couple of drafts in a row, I just sort of look through our seven win channel on the on the Discord uh, and just look at whatever Frotha drafted last and then try to draft that for my next game. <laughs> it works really well. <laughs> like, shockingly well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's crushing it. He is, he's doing really well this format, so. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's I don't think it's an accident. So if you can sort of decipher why his decks are working, just do do that do that, whatever he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing is like you know, like for me it feels like this format's more swingy and like pretty random whether I do well or do horribly. But then as always in every format, it's still the same handful of people that are like knocking it out of the park. So there's yeah. There's, yeah, we're, we're we're doing something right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it, so I, I guess I'm it's happy to answer it. any questions anyone has. By the way, if I know the answer, there's a lot of really good and helpful people on the Discord too. Uh, I don't think people use the Discord enough, like met regular members, to just say, "Hey, what's the pick here?" Because there's a handful of people that are always correct when they answer. You know. Um, and yeah. so it's got to be helpful. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I do encourage people to use the Discord more. And yeah. it it's always interesting, you know, like when you ask help for like the final build or your final cuts, and then you get like, I don't know. People always suggest stuff that I'm not thinking about. And so it's always interesting to sort of check, even yeah. when you feel like you have good instincts and then you find out like people have can have very different perceptions or perspectives of your deck and stuff. Yeah, for sure. All right. So uh, let's go on to the card of the week. I guess I'll go first since I kind of swooped in and stole yours out from under you because... Yeah, you chose my favorite card in the whole set. <laughs> uh, that, that's interesting, because uh, um, I kind of like this card because uh, Ankle Cutter, who's a, a frequent Reddit user and and uh, comments on our posts every once in a while and stuff, so I wanted to shout them out for a while, but recently wrote a Reddit post about five cards that they underrated, and... Uh, four of the cards on the list are, I think, pretty, uh, at least in retrospect, obviously powerful cards. But then uh, one of the cards was Stormblast, which is the uh, two primal primal fast spell. Deal four damage to an enemy unit or site played this turn or negate an enemy spell with cost four or less. And I, I, I thought it was kind of interesting that they put this on their list. Because I have the opposite relationship with this card, uh -huh. where I figured it would be really powerful, and then I keep putting it in my decks, and it it keeps being one. I keep being off by one turn <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it is tough to know when when exactly you should play it. And so it, it I have been like trying to pick this less personally because it keeps disappointing me um, as a card. But it seems on its face like it's powerful because it's a modal card. Uh, dealing four damage is a pretty good amount to deal. And I think, um, you know, having a modal uh, negate and there's a lot of cheap, powerful spells that you want to negate. Um, so it seems like it should be good, but my experience, it has not been great. But it sounds like you have had a better experience with this card. I have. I've never been disappointed with it. Um, th there is that issue where you don't want to just leave, where, where you don't want to just leave up power for this and fall behind on the board. Um, but I find that there, it never really goes out of style, you know, at any point in the game. You can just sort of pretty much play as though you don't have it in your hand until you can leave up power without it interfering with anything else you're doing. Um, because uh, most of the, the... There's not very many spells that it doesn't hit that people are going to play. And it kills so many relevant things in the format that can come down late. Uh, it can kill Cabal and Bezler, it can kill Gnashing Displacer, like a lot of the sort of top end that people are going to be playing uh, get hit by the Storm Blast. So I just sort of find that, like, if I'm ahead or at parity on board, I feel so safe if I have a Storm Blast in hand. Like, I can handle anything that happens. Right. Yeah, I. so maybe I need to go back to keep picking it. I, I mean, I will as as a disclaimer, say that I was joking with hats uh, before the show that with how poorly I've been doing, I like every set 12 card I look at, I feel disappointed with. So, so it might be more of a me thing than a storm blast thing, but wanted to share my experience with the card. Yeah, it's fair enough. Um, but I, yeah, I, I do think, yeah, just play with it a little bit more and don't worry about like, like don't leave, don't leave it up the way you would leave up like, um, like a lightning strike or something that's that you're preparing to definitely kill something that attacks you with, you know? And then if, then like, if you hold up like a lightning strike, right. And then they don't attack you with a unit. Great. They didn't attack you with a unit. Like you didn't really lose anything unless you're falling behind on the board because you did that. Um, but with storm blast, like you don't really don't know what your opponent's going to do. Um, and you don't know what the storm blast is going to counter ever. Uh, you don't know if you're going to have to kill a unit with it or counter a spell with it, and you have no idea what spell or unit you're going to be need to prepare for. So uh, I think it's it really comes down to uh, 
that you don't want to ever like fashion your game plan around the storm blast itself it's just uh it's just a sort of a safety valve for everything else that you're doing but a powerful one because it can do so many things i think i'm just repeating myself so what uh speaking of spells that storm blast doesn't hit what's your card uh bathe in light uh that's the sixth time time uh fast spell it has inscribe and uh it says you gain six hearts (laughs) six life you and your units are invulnerable to damage this turn. I shrunk the card too much on our notes so that I couldn't tell how much life you gained, but I I was pretty sure it was six because it's like a square card, you know, that has two sixes on it. Anyway, uh, this uh, card I've always... Uh, I, I was drafting a lot of big time uh, near the beginning of the format because I was so tickled that, like, I could play a long game again after the last couple of formats, which were just, like, brutal tempo formats. Um, and... Uh, and I've been pretty happy with it. It's it does what you want an inscribed card to do, which is if you're if it's early in the game and you need power, it's power. And then late in the game, uh, it can either keep you alive or completely wreck your opponent, unlike anything else can do. Um, so that's kind of it's it's a it's a fun card that basically is impossible to play around, <laughs> and right. I just enjoy having it in my hand. This is a powerful card that I underestimated at first because I think if you look at, you know, if you if you take Inscribe off and it's a six cost gain six life, you know, it's just like oh yeah, it no, felt that like, is terrible, <laughs> <laughs> right? One of those like clunky life gain spells that Direwolf loves to put in every in every set. Yeah, and then it's also very conditional because you need a particular kind of combat for it to really like you know gain you gain you a card or like kill anything that your opponent has on board. Um, but yeah, within Scribe, that just totally changes the entire equation because you don't you don't have to play it as a terrible spell ever. You can just make it power. So um, so yeah, it's it, just putting Inscribe on not not on every. Card. There's a handful of inscribed cards that are conditional and are still not worth playing, uh, but not this one. This one's great. I wouldn't. I don't first pick it, but if I know that I'm doing this kind of strategy, it's a nice thing. Nice thing to pick up. Or if I'm splashing time for some reason, well, no, no, because it's got two time in it, so it's not a splash inscribe. So it's not that. But uh, yeah, if you're playing a slower strategy and you think you'll be able to actually cast this thing, it's great. Mm-hmm. So have you moved off of these slower time decks? Yeah, I don't think they work quite as well because people have figured out how to do aggro in the format. Um, but I, it's, I'll still play them if if it's if time is very open, which it sometimes is. Um, but I'm not like looking to get into that anymore because I think the sort of more mid range thing is a little stronger. Just right. sort of playing all of the good cards um, in a in a more mid range strategy, I think, is is where it's at for the most part. Mm-hmm. All right. So I think we'll move on to the, I think will be the bulk of the show, which is the seven win run breakdown. Uh, and then sort of just talking about the format and, you know, using the the spreadsheet we have here is, as, as sort of the groundwork from which we build on for the show. So uh, this is our longstanding data collection project here at Farming Internal, where listeners or really anyone can send us their seven win drafts. Um, either to farminginternal at gmail.com or post them to our seven win channel of the Farming Eternal Discord, uh, which you should definitely join. You could actually, I've been accepting, uh, people can ping me in the main Discord and I'll transfer it over to the sheet too. So we have a few people doing that. Um, and then as long as they're in any exported deck list or any kind of Eternal Warcry link, we can put that right in there. Uh, so, and then we give a shout out to everyone who submitted a list this week. So we have a ton of new contributors because I've really been promoting the spreadsheet these last few weeks. So uh, thank you to I, IQB, Lord Perth, Mediocre Man, Philat, Philat, this is a, this is a you this is a you name if I've ever seen it. Hats. A, a me name because I might know how to pronounce it. I don't. Exactly. It's uh, <laughs> I would I would guess Philalethes. Phil- Philalethes. <laughs> Phil- okay, Philalethes. <laughs> See, I knew I I had 
I knew you wouldn't let me down there. Yeah, I, I'm sure I butchered it. Uh, then uh, Phoenix, Pixel Sorted, Popetito, Scarlatch. Huh? Scarlatch, actual Scarlatch. Is that actual Scarlatch? It was actual Scarlatch. Scarlatch posted on the main Discord that he had gotten a seven-win deck. And I was like, hey, uh, if you want to submit a list, uh, feel free to give me your deck list. And then he posted the deck list and said he would love to. That's pretty neat. Well, uh, so Scarlatch, one of the creators of the game, has been drafting a lot lately. And it's been fun running into him. Yes. Yeah, uh, you know, all the, the, the devs have been really making an effort to do more outreach and play the game a bunch more. So you're definitely running into them a lot more often. They're going to need another bounty, like for beating a, beating devs like 10 times or something like that. <laughs> I want more bounties. You want more, more than your 100 gold now? I want more. <laughs> yeah. yeah my, the 100 gold is so silly. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, like, well, honestly, I, if I, I got confetti or like fireworks or something that was not like that, I can't trade in for the game, but it just shows on the screen. That would be better than the 100 gold. <laughs> yeah. But at this point, I'm just happy for the free win with Scarlatch. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. And then our veteran contributors, Abednego, Avos, Agent Dynamo, Alabazoo, Alex Fierro, Almost, Apricot Knight, Avgots, Beer Broken, Chamomilk, Cigar Pete, Collector, Cotillion, Darth Herman 2, Death, D-Dubs, D-Vincent, Frafa, FS Forward Sound, Full Robot, Glunner, Gunner, Hats on Lance, uh, Hunky, Humble Ice, I'm So Bad, Iplong Node, Jed the Hummer, John Holyoke, Madness, Meavers, Old Rich, Out on a Limb, Parmalee, Potomaro, Raven Dragon, Sakarnan, Sleffer 13, so como chaos, uh, chaos. Uh, let's go with chaos. Chaos. I don't know. Okay. So como chaos. SSJ. Uh, Steve Irwin. Sunblaze. Telemochus. Tempest Dragon King. Twin Hex. Vader and Yam Yam. Ooh, that's a long list. Yep. Uh, you know, everyone's bringing out bringing out the big guns for the start of the format. So thank you everyone for contributing because we've actually gotten so many lists so far um we are at uh almost 250 lists for the format wow and um and uh, that's not there's actually still i'm two days behind in in entering the list so that's not even we're probably closer to 280 right now um yeah so pretty cool so we have a lot to talk about here um so the first thing uh, I wanted to talk about and see if this is your impression in the format. Um, the top color right now is, it kind of goes Shadow, Justice, Fire, Primal. Um, and they're all pretty close with Shadow and Justice being, it's like Shadow, Justice, and then Fire kind of being clumped up at, at around 45% of our decks include those. Primal is at 40%, and then Time is in fifth place in 30% of decks. Okay. Yeah, well, I did go through that period where I was drafting a lot of Time, but I think on average, uh, that's more or less my experience. Um, there was a period where I was drafting nothing but Argentport just because it was sort of doing well for me. And then um, I've struggled with Fire and how to play it correctly in this format, but... Now that I've started trying to draft it a little bit more, um, it's 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 been doing pretty well for me. The last draft that I submitted to the list was just Fire Shadow Justice, like split almost three ways evenly with no particular fixing, and I still went seven wins because the individual cards are so strong. It didn't matter if I stumbled on power. Right. Yeah. It's it's kind of interesting because you kind of bring up two two points uh one is that this is another thing that's slowly changed with the format is people are seem to be playing more and more splashes and three color decks i think people are figuring out how to do that successfully and uh the, the amount of, when like for our first hundred lists it was like everyone only played two colors. It was like 15 power, two colors. And that was the only thing people played. 
And now people are, I mean, still mostly playing 15 power, but adding a third, like figuring out how to use Inscribe and stuff to splash. Yeah, that's really the big difference. Um, And it was the big difference for me in being more confident doing that was specifically picking up Inscribe cards in my splash color um, just to make the splash easier. Because it that it it uh, it really cuts down on the on the bad feelings you get when you draw um, too many of the cards that are helping you splash. You know, like if you put like three justice sigils in your deck and you draw all three of them in one game, you might as well be drawing blank cards. Uh, but if you, some of your justice sigils are like zero five units, when it, if you draw more than one of them, great. <laughs> you know, you've got your splash and you've got a good blocker. So now I'm specifically, if I know that I'm going to be playing three colors or if I want to splash, now I'm picking up cards that are specifically for that purpose, and it makes a huge difference. Right. Yeah, and and that that actually is not a place that I've gone yet that I, I think maybe <laughs> might help me because I've still been playing sh- pretty strictly two-color decks. Um and there's you know, nothing wrong with that. It's totally fine. It's just there's drafts where the signals are so wonky and all over the place that it's better to go three colors. Yes. No, I 100% agree. I There's definitely been a, a number of drafts for me where it's the thing where it's like in the first pack, it's like between two colors. In the second and third pack, it's two totally different colors. And then in the fourth pack, it's just one of the two colors that it was in the first pack and you had picked the wrong one and then you're like scrambling for playables uh anyway yeah it happens all the time yeah yeah so and then so that's the single color order the as far as the faction pairs that are doing the best uh it kind of makes sense with those three top colors um number one right now is uh argent port uh, color you said you were having a lot of success for with for a while uh-huh. then uh next is uh stone scar and uh, is actually stone scar and huru and then following that up is uh is Rakano. okay are our four sort of faction pairs that are doing the best yeah i haven't actually drafted a lot of huru but i can imagine that it's it's basically good yeah, I've drafted a, a fair a fair bit of it. I I think it is. You know, you can sort of do that flyers thing. There's a a bunch of flyers. Justice just has so many good cards that you can you kind of can <laughs> have a lot of good justice cards and, and then have some flyers in Huru and then do all right or flyers in Primal <laughs> and do all right for yourself. And Primal has some good removal and some pretty good cards too. So yeah 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 it makes sense yeah and they also have a lot of good inscribed cards so you can kind of do this like all inscribed deck <laughs> almost yeah that's true primal has some of the some of the really good ones because they're they are units that can that can punch yeah exactly yeah the 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 four cost uh two three aegis guy man yeah well that yep not bad um all right yeah. When you put Aegis on a flyer, it's, it turns out it's really tough to deal with. <laughs> yeah, especially when you can play it as a as a power when you need to. Mm-hmm. Good card. Uh, all right. Uh, so then uh, next, I kind of wanted to just go over the, the top commons and see how, just get your thoughts on these cards. Okay. Um, so w- again, with the 248 uh deck list so far in uh in fire our top commons are uh searing fist at number one calderon captain at number two uh and they're actually tied for first and second and then there's a small gap and then it's uh a, a draft pack card actually blood spear foot soldier and hoof stomp are three and four yeah those are i mean those are all good cards I, I think it's interesting that Bloodspear Foot Soldier is there because it. Uh, I think it illustrates something, another observation I have about the format, which is that the draft packs are incredibly important this time around. Like, I really like the way they designed them 
this time and I didn't expect to because when they made the announcement that there were like six different rarities for every for commons and you know like for like between commons uncommons rares and legendaries I think that makes like 24 different like rarities (laughs) of cards in the draft packs or something (laughs) like I don't know I haven't looked at it again since I turned away from the list and discussed the first time but in practice it means that those six times cards really show up enough that you can sort of expect them and uh, and they end up being kind of important. And Bloodspear Foot Soldier is one of those because there's not a lot of good two drops in Fire, um, is not in Cold Hunt anyway. So, so it's very important to be able to pick some up um, in the in packs two and three. And Bloodspear Foot Soldier is a, is a solid little dude. He's a three one with Valor. Great. Yeah, that's what you want. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. And um, and I think it does show you. You know, I had done the math in the last episode, and so like the the twelve x uh, draft pack commons are even at twelve x are about two thirds as common as like just a, a cold hunt common. Yeah. And and so if you kind of think about it that way, like of our 119 fire decks we have 96 searing fists and 75 blood soldiers but but a blood of or a blood spear foot soldier but a, a foot soldier is like two-thirds is your two-thirds is likely to see it as a searing fist and so it's actually like overperforming. um so it it's like a card you really do want in your fire yeah decks. yeah it's incredibly important and uh yeah it makes sense that 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 it would be up on this list Yes, because if you're doing any, I mean, there's so few two, there's so few two drops in the format. Period. Um, it gets better if you're playing Stone Scar, uh, but if you're playing anything else, it's really tough. So yeah, uh, so it's nice to see Foot Soldier up there. I've always been fond of the little guy. Um, Searing Fist is just very efficient removal, and like I said, four is kind of the magic number for a lot of the things you need to deal with. Um, and uh, and it does it efficiently, so you can kill things much more expensive than two power with with your two power and then Kaldaren captain is just a, a an absolute beating all of the time <laughs> <laughs> when i first saw that card it says a four three with revenge uh it costs five fire and it gives all other units plus one attack um and just the fact that it was like a four three with revenge for five i was like this is probably gonna be pretty good <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It is so brutal when your opponent gets like the unexpected destinied Caldaren captain and you're just like, okay, I'm like safe. I have some pretty good blocks as long as Caldaren captain's not on the top of their deck. Yep. Yeah, it's mean. Uh, it's a mean card. There's The only downside to it is there's a lot of things that cost five if you're in fire. There's the because there's captain, there's hoof stop, and there's uh there's the three three overwhelm flyer, and if you're in Recano, you've also got the three five valor endurance guy, so that spot can get clogged up pretty bad. Um, but the solution to that is to cut things that aren't Kelder and Captain. <laughs> yeah. So are there any cards on here that you think should be up here that aren't, or you think this is a pretty good top? top list uh i don't really think there's anything competing with those uh i mean i'm just going to look at cold hunt i don't want to look scan through all of the draft packs for no, i agree uh but no there's a there's actually a big gap in quality after after those four cards um yeah I, like then you're getting down to like molten feet and thunder wing which are fine but they're average cards these are the ones that these are the four top picks yeah yeah, the one thing I, I wanted to note about this uh, fire list is the fact that there are zero inscribed cards in, in fire in the in the top uh, cold hunt commons, which is is pretty interesting because that's not true for many of the other colors. Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, they're just not quite as they're just not quite as strong the inscribed inscribed cards as uh, as some of the other colors. Uh, they're not quite as um, like the your your fire strategy isn't quite as cohesive with the inscribed cards if that makes sense i mean molten feet is a three two with charge so of course that seems like you would want it in fire and sometimes you do um but it's not that strong of a card when you have stuff like caldera and captain and 
just, uh, I don't know. There's other, uh, the cards that you're actually going to be att attacking with. <sighs> I'm going to yeah. walk that back. Molten Feet is, is fine, um, but it's so far, it's so much lower quality than uh, the inscribed cards in other factions that you're just not going to pick them up that high. Right. All right. And uh, in time, uh, the top uh, four cards, and these are all actually cold hunt cards, interestingly, is uh, Carnosaur Beta, which is the seven cost five five uh, with Revenge and Inscribe. Saddled Sarasaur, the two costs where you could uh, contract to give another unit killer. Uh, number three is Forestall, uh, the three cost Telekinetic Shackles uh, that also draws a card. And then uh, number four is Warrior Monk, which is the six cost six five that can gain you five life if you take another turn off. Uh, yeah, I mean, those are fine. Um, those are the, those are the good cards. I, I guess I would, I guess Warrior Monk is the only one where I, I'm not always crazy about it. Uh, it's, it's pretty easy to come up with six drops in this format and it does do a really good job of, of, of stabilizing if you're doing a slow time deck. So I'll play them, but I don't, I would probably pick up uh Lotus Instructor over it at this point. That's the four, three for four time uh, that has contract three, give a unit plus one, plus one and overwhelm. And the reason I would take it over Warrior Monk is that the mid game is kind of where you falter a lot of the time. And uh, there's not a lot of great four drops. That's there's sort of a gap between the very strong stealth three drop area and then the like starting to take over the game five drop area. Almost nothing costs four and Lotus Instructor costs four. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of fills in that that curve for you and you do need stuff in the curve. You can't just ramp straight up to to six. I mean, you can with Mature Averax, but I don't recommend doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How, do you play Mature Averax? No, like not since the beginning of the format. I've tried putting it in decks that were like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna cast my six drops early. And it turns out that it's easier to just play because of inscribe to just play a power every turn until you just play a six drop on turn six. Yes. And then you're not getting your then you're not getting your your two two that you've played on turn four, you know, killed with any removal spell in the format. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's the time list is kind of interesting to me. Um, I guess time is like the faction with the most sort of these incidental inscribed cards, I feel like, where it just has like a whole bunch of <laughs> random spell effects that also have inscribed, uh, like uh, Vow of Silence, uh, what are the others? Lost in Thought and Dismantle. And uh, maybe this is part of my issue is all of my decks end up having like three vows of silence <laughs> or something in them. And then I'm uh, there once again, a card that I feel like should be powerful. And then I'm just disappointed uh, with the results. Yeah, I think there's a limit and it's, it is easy to end up with a lot, a lot of inscribed cards if you're in time. And, and I don't think, I think there's a limit to the number that you want. Uh, you can yeah, you and can it's really play like to... an infinite. Oh, sorry. Oh no, no. Well, that's what I'm saying. I was we're about to say the same thing. Probably yeah. is like that's the thing I've been struggling with because it's just like oh, well, it can always just be a power. So you know you can play infinite of these, but I I think that is not not true. No, no it's not infinite. Um, you don't for one thing just don't play dismantle. I don't think because it doesn't. It almost never has a target. Right. Um, there are very powerful enemy attachments that cost uh, that cost four or less. There's, you know, the the bow and stuff. It's just not usually worth it. Um, right up until now, I thought it was four more, but that makes no sense. Why would it be four more? <laughs> anyway, I mean, sure. I think I could. I would toss dismantle into a deck if I had very little other inscribed. But otherwise, uh, it, it's going to fall behind lost in thought and vow of silence. And lost in thought is better than vow in silence. Uh, in my opinion, I love having bounce effects and uh, lost in thought uh, puts a unit with four, cost four or less into its owner's hand, uh, which when you have stuff like saddled Sarasaur that can give things killer permanently is awesome. Yes. 
And that is an, a nice thing about Lost in Thought is Lost in Thought does not have the writer that Vow of Silence does. Uh, uh, Lost in Thought can be any unit, including your own, while Vow of Silence is enemy unit only, um, which has actually come up with <laughs> for me a few times, uh, surprisingly. Oh, sure. Uh, and and like like with, with Carnosaur Beta, Vow of Silence... Lost in Thought and Dismantle, like all inscribed. I mean, let take away uh, Dismantle for now, and then there's some uncommons with inscribed. There's Cloud Scraper. There's uh, there's my my card of the week, whatever that was called. There's uh, also Kickflip Monk or whatever. It's Kickflip Monk. It, you'll have enough inscribed. There's also the other faction. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you're start if you're getting up to like six, seven, eight inscribed, you just start picking other cards because your card quality is just going to start being very low. Um, like uh, the 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 inscribed cards are are high quality cards in a sense because they're versatile, but the actual cards are not generally strong. <laughs> and so, at a at a certain point, you don't have enough strong cards in your deck to combat what your opponent is doing to you. <laughs> you need a mixture of versatile cards and powerful cards. Uh, so, and and that's the trap with drafting time is you'll have too many versatile cards and not enough powerful ones right uh yeah so i so i i agree with that uh forestall is also a card that i've gone back and forth on all the good drafters really like it so i i think i need to start picking it higher yeah definitely my deck more often but. i think i've said twice uh early in the format when i when i submitted seven win decks with forestall in it that it feels like cheating <laughs> It feels like they shouldn't be allowed in the game. Yeah. Well, so, and I, I think that's a, a pretty ringing endorsement. Yeah. All right. So on to Justice Commons. Uh, Justice Commons, pretty interesting list here. Uh, number one is actually Starkist Wings. Number two is Find the Moment. Number three is Tower Lookout. And number four is Last Light Refugee. Yeah, now that's a weird list. Uh, it's not that any, there's anything wrong with any of those cards. They're all good cards. It's just like, why? why? <laughs> you know, like, why these cards? They're not obviously amazing. Uh, and I guess the Starkest Wings and Find the Moment are really close in terms of how many uh, how many are on the spreadsheet. It's 85 to 82, I guess. Yeah. Um, so Find the Moment is essentially plus five, plus five combat trick that costs two and then slows you down the next turn. That's very good. Uh, it's, it's, it's almost like finest hour quality. Like it's one of it's, the, it's one of the most insane combat tricks they've ever printed. Yeah. It's almost like better. It's like situationally better than <laughs> finest hour. I feel like, cause sometimes when you're playing, <laughs> you're playing against justice and you're like, Oh, I think I can handle a plus three, plus three trick. Yeah, like I can survive that. Yeah, yeah but you it's never plus, never three, plus, three. plus five plus five. <laughs> no, no, and the drawback, which is I that it that it costs like you know two more than that, uh, doesn't mean anything because they just demolished your board. <laughs> like they don't need to do anything next turn. They just attack again. Yeah, or they killed you because they just take <laughs> five extra damage out of nowhere. It's crazy. Yeah, it's real good. Uh, Starkist Wings, I think, is uh, is a good card, but there's a limit to how many I'll put in my deck. Uh, because in the end, it is a five-cost weapon, and there is removal in this format, so you can really get get uh, destroyed. But if you're in Huru and you and like half of your units have have Aegis, then you know go nuts. <laughs> it's fine. <Yeah. laughs> uh, and it is a good finisher, you know, if you're in a, in an aggressive deck. Starkist Wings is a fine card. I'm just a little lower on it than than most people. But it's not like I don't pick them and play them in my deck. It's just not number one on my justice pick list. I'm never gonna first pick that thing. Um I do love Last Light Refugee and I do love Tower Lookout. And Tower Lookout is a hilarious card to be in the top three because it is just a three two for for two. That is all that it is. And because two, right? Am I thinking of the right card? I don't know. I actually assumed it was the 05. Nope. It's a 3-2 for two. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, isn't that weird? 
you never use the contract on it. It's a three, two for two justice with contract three, ready your exhausted units. I have seen somebody do that maybe twice, the whole format. It's just a three, two for two. And it's great because there's no two drops in the format and you need them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, I think that's exactly right. You know, this is funny. This was a long time ago, maybe like set six or set seven. And um, uh, Argent Port Soldier was one of the highest performing cards in in that set because there were no two drops and you yeah. just like <laughs> three two vanilla two drop is a two drop and and it was better than all the other two drops and yeah. so it just like overperformed and I think Tower Tower Lookout has a, a lot of the same energy this uh this format. Yeah, I think so. And I do pick them up pretty high if I think I'm going to be Injustice. It's not a good reason to be Injustice, though, you know, by itself, because they don't win the game. They just fill in your curve better than anything else. Last Light Refugee does win you the game, because how do you block it? <laughs> you can't. It's yeah. a 3-5 with insurance and Valor. You don't block it, ever. So uh, you, th there's a lot of deadly in the format, so that's how you stop it, is that you just, like stop it from blocking and it also it is also fun uh to pick the combre uh common and kill a last light refugee with it because that's uh what one of the few commons that has five health or more right. um but otherwise yeah it's a, a last light refugee completely holds the ground by itself and then does three damage a turn until your opponent's dead so it should be on the top commons list um let's see what else is good i would say shift stone sniper should be up there i think it's excellent um, that's the that's the one one weapon for two justice, and when you summon it, you uh, it draws a card. Uh, anything that draws a card is incredibly good, and a sniper just sort of changes the combat math enough for a reasonable price that I'm never going to cut it from my deck, any deck ever. Yeah. Well, I guess my question uh, for you is: Do you feel like it has a bit of the inscribed problem where? You can sort of only put so much air in your deck, or do you think, like, is this a card you're happy to put multiples in? Oh, I'm pretty happy to put multiples in my deck. I'm not sure what the limit is exactly. It would kind of depend. If, I, if I'm if i playing a deck without a good curve, without a good unit curve, probably not going to play as many of these, or I just won't draft as many. Um, yeah. Because then it probably means that I'm playing a bunch of big units that don't need the help, and also that I might not have a unit that I can put this on early in the game consistently. Um, but otherwise, it's not air because it is uh, it's a tempo play. Like it makes your life harder for your opponents while drawing you a card. Um, and you can do right. it at any point in the game. Because early game, your units probably are matched up pretty evenly against your opponents. So that plus one plus one will probably be enough to let you make attacks that you couldn't otherwise. Uh, yes. and and because you're not losing a card on the deal like you would with other weapons, um I find that it's just usually, like the downside of it not being a unit itself, you know, is pretty negligible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my issue had just been like when you, you, you think about some of these cold hunt decks where you're like, you have six, seven, eight inscribed cards, and then some of them are sort of situational cards. And then, and then you're trying to fit in a few of these sniper rifles, and you're like, all of a sudden, you're like, ooh. Like, what, what am I putting, what am I going to put this rifle on? I think wow. that's the same thing that we were talking about with time, though, where maybe you're picking up inscribed cards too high. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I, I think that's definitely true. Um, but, yeah, I think the sniper rifle is really good. I think Justice just has a lot of good commons because it also has the 05 for 3 that has inscribed, which is like... Totally playable, yep. It has yeah. it has diminished, which at at this point Direwolf still hasn't fixed, so it works properly. Uh, it still permanently makes the thing uh, gives a unit uh, zero power, as far as I can tell. Yeah, I th <laughs> I think the only way it doesn't do that is if your opponent, if someone plays dismantle on it. I think that's yeah. Yeah, and I don't think that it's intended to work that way. I don't think it was intended to permanently make... I mean, maybe it is intended, and that's why they haven't fixed it, but it seems very strong uh, for... Like, it really... It, like, it's a curse. It should When it falls off, it should stop doing a thing. Yes, because it, does, it doesn't It does even... Like, even revenge units don't get 
Right. It, they don't get their they don't get their attack back, and they should. They clearly should. Yeah. Um, all right. So then on to primal. Uh, primal's top commons, according to the list, are number one, Snow Peak Eagle, which is the the four cost uh, two three Aegis flyer with inscribe. Number two is Chloric Mix, which is the two cost deal three damage or contract for two to deal six damage. There's Ice Over, which is the three cost uh, stun a unit gain an Aegis. And then Jotun Spellhammer, which is the six cost four four with Aegis, with also with Inscribe. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I think actually this is uh, this isn't really my pick order, <laughs> but uh, it's these are all fine cards. I think I must be underestimating Ice Over. I should probably I should probably pick it higher than I have been. Um, I would still take Chloric Mix over Snow Peak Eagle. Are they close? On the in the statistics, not that close. Yeah, They're in the general vicinity, but there's still a gap. Uh, but Eagle's definitely good. We were talking about it before. Um, I just really love Chloric Mix because it kills absolutely anything. Yes, it it does. Um, there, if you're playing Huru, it your opponent can sometimes feel like there is no reason to attack with anything because between like chloric mix they also put lightning they like lightning strike comes along pretty often in the draft packs and and the uncommon that outright kills an attacking unit <laughs> it's sort of like this wall of spells that they and thud rocks ruse that just makes a five five that destroys anything on the ground uh like if if your primal opponent if your huru opponent has left up power it's just like what do you even do i guess you attack and just hope yeah, it, yeah, I agree. Um, I I wonder if that's part of Chloric Mix's problem is both that it's sort of an obviously good spell, and then also there are a ton of alternative sort of kill spells. So you you just like decks don't really require decks will play as many as they get, but they don't really require them, and they're sometimes hard to find in multiples as compared to. Snow Peak Eagle, which I think, you know, some of these like better inscribed units were undervalued and and you would just like you would play as many Snow Peak Eagles as you could get more or less also. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, there's not really a downside, um, especially with Eagle. I, I don't think I would have Jotun Spellhammer on the top on in the top four. Uh, it's fine because it does have inscribed. Um, so it's good for the same reason Eagle is. But six is a lot. And at. at when you get to six power, you've got much better units available um, than a four four with Aegis. It's fine. Uh, so I would take. I mean, I would take Trick Throw over it. I would take probably Teriak Screecher, the two two flyer for three that occasionally kills uh, an exhausted enemy unit. Um, I would take Thundrock's Ruse over it for sure. And yeah, I, prob- I probably Yeti Intellectual. I think it should be way down there actually. Yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I mean, I think depending on how much inscribe I currently have, I would debate between Yeti Intellectual and Spellhammer. But I agree that at some point you get enough inscribe, then Spellhammer goes down. I think that's part of the way I draft right now. I used to be picking up inscribe way higher than I do now, but now I'm not worried about picking up enough inscribe. I'm fine with like getting somewhere between like three and six inscribe. Uh, I know that'll happen every time. So right. now I pick up the, the the spells that are not inscribed uh, higher than I did at the beginning of the format. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like and my I'm, my all but, of my justice decks used to have like four rune swords for a while, and now I don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I will say that I I do think ice over is a easy card to underrate because kind of like the. Um, uh, the the time spell that you know sends a unit to its hand it, it can help in blowing up double blocks and stuff as well as like you know aegising uh stunning and then gaining an aegis to stop an uh, eavesdrop or something is yeah eavesdrop you know, especially yeah it can uh, it can it can do some stuff um all right then on to shadow uh the top four shadow commons actually include two draft pack cards um 
But number one is Call the Hit. Number two is Stormcrawler. Number three is Lethri Ranger. And number four is Midnight Hunter. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I'm I'm a little surprised that Thorncrawler is so high. I mean, it's definitely a good card, but I'm not entirely sure why uh, it would be one of the best shadow commons. But hey, if it's doing well for people, great. <laughs> um, uh, it's fine. Uh, but. But Lethry Ranger is not a surprise because, again, uh, it is tough to put together an early game in this format. So Lethry Ranger, sometimes, even if you're going second, your opponent won't have anything on the board on turns one, two, and three, and you just have a 4-4 a four, four for two. Yes. It's, 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 I don't think Lethry Ranger has ever had an easier time making contact, um, and it's a, it's a huge problem for your opponent once it does. No, I I agree. I mean, I think this is part of what makes Lethry Ranger helps Thorncrawler be better because it's just like you, I, you, it it helps you curve in. You know, you can play a two drop, you can play a three drop, and then your opponent has to start making some really tough choices when you know faced with a stealth unit and a four four on board of what they're doing, what they're prioritizing. The the life steal from Thorncrawler can really help keep you ahead in any races with with all your powerful units. I don't know. I I, I found it to be pretty good, and I think kind of shows like Shadow with the fact that like Midnight Hunter is also so high up here. Shadow, I think this is one of the reasons Shadow's doing so well in this format is it's very versatile. It can have just like one of the best early games as well as one of the best late games. Yeah, yeah, it's just got a it's just got a weak middle game, um, but it shares that with most of the other factions. Yes. Um, yeah. So that's that. Um, yeah, I I would also uh, I I love Call the Hit as much as anyone else, uh, but I also so this is actually probably I think the most underrated card in the entire format because I am the only one. I've ever seen play it, but I play it constantly and I would never cut it from a deck. And that's Collude. Uh, that's the two shadow spell. A unit of your choice can't block this turn, draw a card. There's a theme here with the cards that I really like in this format. They're the ones that draw a card. They're all really good. <laughs> and, and I've never, I don't think I've ever had anyone cast a Collude on me, but I cast you know them on what? my opponents I've had and two win. People class cast Colludes on me, and both of them were turn two to cycle a card. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I mean, it's nice that you can do that, I think. It makes it even more versatile because sometimes it is just draw a card. But a lot of like a lot of things, like Lethry Ranger, for example, would like to make contact. And, you know, sometimes your opponent has a blocker. <laughs> um, it's, it's a very good card. Uh, the fact that it cycles for two uh, is just sort of gravy because, you know, it's not that... Uh, that's not that big of a cost, especially if you top deck it. Um, but there's all kinds of situations where getting rid of a blocker temporarily is awesome. Um, and yeah, I think it's I think it's one of Shadow's top commons. I would take it over Midnight Hunter. Wow, you would take it over Midnight Hunter. Or there's a point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I'm not worried about getting enough six drops between Cabal and Bezler and Midnight Hunter. Uh, and also, I'm not worried about getting enough removal. So. Uh, yeah, I probably would. Um, there, but I would. It's I don't usually have to make that choice. Um, but yeah. Mhm. Mm and so that kind of speaks to another thing. Where are you between Midnight Hunter and Cabal Embezzler? Honestly, I think I would probably take Embezzler over Hunter most of the time if it's just a choice between those two, because I think Cabal Embezzler just wins the game by itself a lot of the time. Because they do have to kill it, or it just, you know, does three damage to them every turn until they're dead. Uh, and also, when it comes down, it probably does seven damage to them with life steal by itself. So, because you've got a third crawler on the board, because you're playing the best commons. Uh, so, yeah, I think the first Embezzler um, over the first Midnight Hunter for me. It's not that Midnight Hunter is a bad card. Clearly, it's very good. It does kill a thing. Um, but I think that I just, I don't know. 
is expensive. Like it's as powerful as a six drop should be. Whereas I think Cabal and Bezler is a little more powerful than a six drop should be. However, Midnight Hunter only costs one Shadow Will and Bezler costs two, so it's easier to splash. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm just uh, I, like it's not that there's anything wrong with either card. It, they are six drops, and you just don't you, you don't need that many six drops. There are yeah. going to be those games where it's just like, oh, well, now it's time for uh, both players to start making six drops, and whoever has more of them is probably going to win. But I don't like my games to get to that point, so I don't care how many six drops I have. Right, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Somehow all my games got to it, even though I don't like that either. I gotta, I gotta figure something out. <laughs> yeah, it is possible to draft tempo, but you have to change... Uh, card valuations a little bit in order to do it. One of the things you do is take collude. <laughs> um, also, you, you got to talk about eavesdrop as one of the top commons just because it is uh, putting in scribe on a card that makes your opponent discard two cards is insane because it takes away the cost of it where it sometimes doesn't do anything. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And that that's also a card that you can end up playing you know, a couple copies of and be happy with. So, uh, uh, yeah, Shadow also has just a ton of great cards yeah. at Common, which is one of the reasons it's one of the best colors. Yeah, and and it is not limited the way time is. Time, you really can't draft a fast deck. I did have a Combray aggro deck once, but I don't think it's very easy to do that. Time is almost always a slow deck. Shadow can be fast or slow or value or whatever. Right. Um, all right, and then uh, this is the 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 order of this is less meaningful because it's highly correlated to how good those uh, color combinations are doing. But the the top multicolor commons are number one, unseen marksman; number two, stonebreaker bow; number three, breach the defense; and number four, disarm. I don't remember uh, what Breach the Defenses is. Oh, Breach is the Bracano. It does three damage. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, all of the multicolor commons in this set are good. Um, but, yeah, that's more or less the order of how good they are. Yeah. I, I guess my question that I always like to ask with, with this is, are any of these good enough to first pick? I thought Disarm was an uncommon, didn't I? No, it's a common. Yeah, it's very good. Um, yeah, Disarm's very I good. Said, I, earlier, this, earlier this episode, I said it was an uncommon because I thought it must be. But no, it's just an insane common. Uh, no, I, I don't think I would first pick any of them. Um, they are all very strong. But I wouldn't first... There's almost always a, a single faction card that is in a similar power range that I would end up taking over them or like an uncommon or something there. I, I first picked um, the invoke uncommons easily and not regretted it, but there, those are on a power level that is uh, that should be illegal. So I, I <laughs> like it's justifiable, um, but I think most of these, I mean, there'll be a weak pack where I'm like, yeah, just take breach the defenses. Um, but uh but otherwise, no. Um, I'm not so high on Argentport that I would take the um, I would take the marksman first unless it was a very weak pack. Otherwise, right. That's where I'm at. Yeah. I had All to think right, about cool. it. Well, I think that that ends our top comments. So should we just end it here? Do you have anything else you want to say about the format? Uh, not really. I kind of worked most of my main thoughts about the format into other discussions. Um, Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I think it's sort of the format has continued to evolve for me, um, even though like I thought that I kind of had it figured out. I want to talk about one of the early draft decks that I drafted briefly because um, I am so I am so happy about it. And I did manage to play against Scarlatch with this deck so that <laughs> he could see what he hath wrought. Um, so I had three Valkyrie stations in a deck. That's the that's the um, that's the relic that costs three. It does nothing. No, it uh, at the end of your turn it gains one armor, or if you already have seven armor, makes a two-two flying Valkyrie. And uh, I think everyone was like, oh, I wonder if that if we can make that work uh, a set or two ago when we first saw it. And uh, no, you couldn't. It was not good enough. 
but I I got I made I made just the most defensive Combray deck you can imagine. Put three Valkyrie stations in there and went seven wins, uh, including one against Scarlatch, who tried very hard to win. <laughs> he tried very hard, but it was impossible. So I was gaining three armor a turn, and every time I put a blocker in his way, it was like, well, now I get a bunch more Valkyries. Uh, and uh, eventually he just ran out of cards, literally. <laughs> I, I also couldn't win, despite having an army of Valkyries in the air. And uh, and we just played all of the cards in our deck, and he had one fewer than I did. That was a great, that was a great moment in, uh, in Eternal Draft. Yeah, no, that's, that's exciting. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you that this format seems to be evolving. I think... You're sort sort of showing that and how you're discussing it and how people have been discussing it in in the Discord. People are sort of figuring things out. I mean, this happened a little bit last format where it felt like fire was the only like fire aggro was the only thing that you could do, and then people finally started to figure out how to defend against it a little bit, and then things kind of it, sort of possibilities opened up and. For a while, it just felt like these like plague fifteen seven drops <laughs> was the way you played this format. But people are figuring out how to punish that, figuring out how to play more tempo oriented, and so that's good to hear. Yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's in an okay place. The the only rare that I think is uh, utterly unfair is Zoe, um, but. I mean, there's a couple others that are strong. Obviously, there's a bunch of rares that are very good, but I think they're as good as rares should be. Uh, I think, like, Zoe, Hojin, and maybe the, like, 4-4 Flying Aegis Serpent for 3 are are probably the meanest ones. Um, But, like, you're not going to run into them often enough that it spoils the whole format. And otherwise, yeah, I think it's better balanced and sort of like versatile than than they've managed to put together for a couple of formats. So, uh, and, and a few people on the Discord I've noticed have been really frustrated with it because they've been on a losing streak. Um, and and you know I've been there with other formats that other people have enjoyed where I just couldn't find a way to enjoy them. So it's all they definitely this one's definitely. Um, sort of in my comfort zone and might not be in everyone's and everyone's sort of feeling about you know a format is valid because you're going to experience it differently but uh i can only report how i'm doing with it i'm enjoying it yeah no it's a horrible disaster of a format yeah 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 both things are true (laughs) (laughs) all right so that'll be our show here Thank you again to everyone who supports this show, our patrons, uh, people who submit decks, uh, people who comment on the Discord. We appreciate all uh, all of the activity. And uh, remember to, a reminder to give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Uh, you can join us in that Discord that Hat says you should be utilizing more of. Uh, there'll be a link in the show description as well as uh, give a thumbs up to all of Raven Dragon's Reddit posts about the show. That's uh, one way to help su- to promote the show and get more people submitting lists. And speaking of which, don't forget to send in all your seven-win deck lists you do this week to farmingeternal at gmail.com or the Discord. And remember to keep on farming. Have a good night. Good night. Goodbye.